and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about stock rots, and this is something, uh, well, right in the month of September and into October with corn harvest just beginning in a lot of areas or soon to begin in others. It's one of the concerns and certainly something that we watch for on our farm, and I'm sure you do as well. So we'll talk about some of the different types of stock rots that could impact your crop and how to find them. And, you know, if if things aren't bad, a lot of times we roll through with the combine and, hey, no problem. We got our work done. Everything was fine. The corn stood till harvest. Everybody's happy. But if you don't get out there and take a look and say, hmm, what was going on here? How come there were a few plants that were starting to break or corn plants were starting to fall apart? Or why did this area not yield quite as good as some of the other areas? When you do that further investigation and you find, hey, I, I had some stock rot issues here. What are you going to do about that? And that's what we hope for today with our, our show to, to give you a game plan. Okay, I had some stock rot out there. What do I do about it? But also from the other side of things, you know, everything looked great on my farm. I don't want to have a false sense of security here. What should I do just as insurance to make sure stock rat doesn't become an issue in my field? Uh, we'll talk about that on our show. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions. And by this time of the growing season, there are a lot of questions. I know I talk to, to folks uh, every day just about, hey, I'm seeing this in the field what do you think caused it or what would be a few things if you were here that you would do to try to investigate this a little bit further? So if you've got some of those questions for your farm, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always take pictures and, and send them to us via email radio at agphd.com as well. A call I had this morning uh, that kind of got me thinking about this was just a farmer had some ears of corn that were small. And they didn't look right. They had tipped back. Uh, there were just a, a few things going on there. And he was wondering about the fungicide that he used or when they timed the herbicide, those types of things. And I said, you know what? If it was me and I was in your field right now, I would get a shovel out and do some digging. I'd split these stalks open. I'd look down through that root mass, see if I had a corn rootworm problem or maybe I had a stalk rot problem or there could have been compaction. All those kinds of things can make one of these issues even worse. And when we're talking about stock rats on today's program, a lot of that starts very, very early in the season. There's diseases in a lot of crops out there that when you put the seed in the ground and it's cold and it's wet, and it's going to take a little while for emergence to happen. You've just got a lot of time there for one of these pathogens in the soil to find your plants and infect them. And when we get into a stressful time later in the season, which We'll often say is in the reproductive stages, that can flare up and all of a sudden you get a big issue in your field. So why why are reproductive times so stressful? Well, look at corn. And right about this time of year, and I, I just heard uh, another farmer on the radio, he was doing a, a message for the corn growers, and he was talking about stock cannibalization. And we get towards the end of the season, especially like this year in our area, we're really dry and having a tough time bringing in those nutrients needed to finish off the crop, which personally, I think is going to not only hurt us in yield because we've been struggling with that throughout the season, but I think it's going to hurt us in test weight too, because finishing off those kernels, 
I, I don't think from here until black layer we're going to be able to put a whole lot in there when we aren't getting any moisture to bring nutrients in. But when a plant can't get much for nutrition through its root system, where is it going to get it from? Well, it's going to rob it from the lower leaves in the plant. It's going to rob it from the stalks. Literally every other spot in that plant except for the ear or the pods or, or wherever it's making the seed is going to suffer. And when you see a plant sucking all the nutrition out of the stalk and there's a pathogen that's in there just waiting for an opportunity, this is the opportunity. That's why so often we'll see something like a corn stalk rot issue flare up right at the tail end of the season. Now, one of the things that we did at planting time this year, and, and we're notorious for planting early, planting into colder soils. We talk about it all the time on our show. And it works very well if you protect your seed. The seed treatment piece is really important. We want to have as many different fungicides as we can at high rates on our seed. And this is something that we see with a lot of commercial seed corn out there. They've got the lowest possible use rate on some of these different fungicides. And even on the insecticide, we're seeing some companies cut that rate back trying to save a dollar. It, it's not worth it. It really makes a difference what's on that seed. We're putting more. We're going to the highest end of the labeled rate on the fungicides and insecticides that we're putting on our seed because it's just that critical. And we know that that seed and young seedling need the protection. Well, when it comes to fungicides, the other thing that we're doing is we're using a lot of Zyway on our farm. And I'm not trying to sell Zyway here or anything, but if you haven't tried that out, it's something I would suggest to try. The active ingredient in it is a fungicide that really moves through the plant. It's got the best translocation of any fungicide I can think of, uh, and, and it's really played out on our farm. We've had, since we've been using this three years now, just had great stock quality. We haven't had stock right issues, even in our continuous corn, and even under all the stress we've had getting half the normal rainfall each of the last three years. So it's been a big deal for us, but putting additional fungicide in the furrow can be helpful. Um, just as I'm saying that too, I, I got thinking, ah, I know there's a lot of people out there that are worried about, man, you put fungicide in the soil, you're going to kill all the native microbes that are out there. Man, I'm talking in furrow. The, that furrow, when you, by the time you get to the bottom of that, we're talking about maybe a half inch wide in the whole field, you know, a half inch every 30 inches. That's what one sixtieth of the field. So a percent and a half of the ground is going to see that. And then it's only going to see it just at that certain depth. So really it's a fraction of a percent of the ground that's going to see that. So yes, if, if there is some harm, uh, it, it's going to be very minimal. And honestly, we're putting beneficial fungi in our furrow that is safe to use with Zyway. So it's not like it kills every different kind of fungus out there. It's pretty specific in what it does. Well, we'll talk about some other ways to prevent stock rot on your farm, and we'll take your calls at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Stock rot is the topic of the day on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show. If you've got an agronomic question or would like to join the discussion, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Mississippi State. We've got Tom Allen on with us right now to talk about the dreaded stock rots that pop up at this time of year. Tom, how are you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good today. Yourself? Well, we're doing well. We've got silage harvest rolling up here, and everything seems to look pretty good. Are you getting many calls on stock rot this year? Interestingly enough, no, not not many at all. Uh, and really, things are rolling along pretty well here, which is which is positive. I mean, corn corn harvest is moving along still, and soybean harvest is, is started off pretty good too. Normally, what do you see? What are some of the more common stock rots that you see in your area? Gosh, um, we don't necessarily run into that many, but you know we do get the occasional diplodia type stock rot scenario, and that's honestly one of the the major ones we run across down here. And I've never really been able to pinpoint why that is, because you'd think with our humidity and moisture that we would tend to see, see more stock rots than what we do. Yeah, that is that is. Interesting. I, I agree. I was thinking, oh boy, you're going to have to fight something about every year with, with the kind of weather and, and climate that you have, because it seems like you have every kind of foliar disease and, and that can be a real challenge by itself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, year in, year out. And, and this year has been kind of a, an oddball because it was hot and dry for so long and it really didn't rain. It was a pretty quiet foliar disease season for the most part. You know, we, we look at some of these different diseases, and, and obviously the the seed companies have done a great job. The universities have certainly been trying to breed in different crops to have better tolerance to many of these diseases. 
What are you seeing with all the different crops that you work with? Are, are there some crops that you're more concerned about stock type issues in than others that where the genetics just don't offer enough protection? That's a tough question to answer. You know, I, I think I think you're right. I think the companies have done a spectacular job. And then your your university breeding programs have definitely paid really good attention to that. Um, and some odd things are definitely popping up in the southern United States. I'm sure you all see us talking about it on Twitter and I bet to the Kentucky area and the whole curvial area leaf spot thing tends to be questionable. And I know we have a lot of that. That's definitely one of those diseases that's really kind of caught us out of nowhere and seems to be picking up steam. Um, the one other thing, though, you get lots of questions this time of year about stock integrity. So if you've had a lot of foliar disease, is that going to impact stock integrity? And will that cause any lodging associated uh, prior to harvest? And really, the nice thing is, is most years that's not problematic. And I think we're still really trying to get a, a finger on that. Um, and a lot of that tends to really be more of an issue if you've had infection or tremendous amount of disease prior to tasseling. And that typically doesn't happen regardless of, of your geography in the U.S. Well, we do always see some wind events and storms and those types of things. And immediately it's, well, why did it happen to my field and not the other field? Or why did it happen to to this part of the field and not everywhere or this variety and that type of thing? So certainly stock disease is one of the one of the things people consider as a potential cause. And uh, like you mentioned, too, when you have different foliar diseases, how much does that play into this? I, I was just talking to a, a grower on the East Coast this morning that, oh, man, tar spots really starting to hit us now. And is it too late in the season to really hurt us? You know, it's it's a tough, tough call on some of these things. Where are you at right now in Mississippi? Where are you seeing the, the corn harvest at? Gosh, I'd have to think just from driving around and I've covered a bunch of miles the last few weeks, I'd say we're definitely more than 50% and I'd say we're probably 60% finished. Um, there were some places, strangely enough, they had to replant some corn much later than normal because they had hail injury and whatnot. Um, so far, everything sounds pretty, pretty good. And those people have given some really good yield numbers. So I think that's definitely positive and certainly really makes you scratch your head when you think about it was such a hot, dry year. I think, I think we benefited in some cases from that and reduced diseases and the potential losses we could have had associated with those. You mentioned the curvularia, and I know uh, just talking to uh, extension folks uh, up in the, the Midwest here, everybody's watching. Everybody's curious about what's going on. What, what are you learning about that one? You know, that's one that... We're really trying to come together as a mid-southern group of plant pathologists and try some different application timing strategies to see how we can maybe try to manage that particular disease. But I think the biggest take-home message is there's huge differences in hybrid sensitivity to that organism. So making sure that you're getting good disease evaluations in the state. Um, if that particular disease, if curvularia leaf spot occurs in your state and, and really rely on those data. And if you have continuous corn in your particular field situations, then choose hybrids that have good dis disease resistance to curvularia is probably the best way to manage it for right now. Because having looked at plots for years, 
Fungicides seem to reduce that particular disease a little, but they're definitely not a silver bullet when it comes to curvularia. That's not very comforting, Tom. <laughs> so you're gonna say, "Oh yeah, no, no problem." I don't know what the big deal is here. Well, I, <laughs> plant pathologists sometimes don't do a great job of painting a really pretty picture. <laughs> we, my my good friends down here always tell me it's time for doom and gloom when you start talking. I'm like, well. <laughs> Uh, you got to have fun with that. I, I think, uh, I, I don't know, we're sure happy that, that we've got folks like you. Of course, we're talking with Tom Allen here down at Mississippi State, uh, checking out these things, learning about them, and trying to help us on a, on a big scale with crop production. And, you, you know, you mentioned the fungicides. I, I think that timing is so critical here, too, because so many of these things, like we're talking about stock rots today, but also branching out just a little bit. So many times the disease has been there for a long time before you ever see it. So if you're going to be really effective with fungicides, you pretty much have to be out in front before you even see it. That's right. Yeah, the, the most best efficacy is going to be prior to the disease occurring. And in a lot of cases, that's that's a hard thing to really talk about when you consider fungicide company strategies and marketing for those particular products and then what the people are suggesting from the academic side of things and suggesting integrated pest management and all the rest of that story. That's a, that's a tough thing to talk about. And, and I don't, I'll be the first to admit, I don't think that's one that we've done a very good job talking about. Um, you know, the university side of things suggests weight scout, find a disease that might be causing a, a yield loss, and then make an application. In a lot of cases, that's still an effective strategy, but I think that depends on what disease we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And uh, the other thing is just how are you going to get it applied in so many areas this year when everybody wanted to do things at the same time? It, it's almost impossible for aerial applicators and folks that have high clearance sprayers to get over all the acres they want to in a timely manner. That's right. Yeah, lots of challenges here with disease control. Today we're focused on stock rots on the show, and uh, real happy to have Tom Allen with us down at Mississippi State. Tom, thank you. We really appreciate having you on. Thanks for being on the show, and, and thanks for the work you guys are doing down there too. Anytime. I appreciate that. If you have a question about stock rots or, or any other agronomic question, our phone lines will be open on today's program at 844-44-AG-PHD. And uh, one thing that I should mention, too, we've worked together with the American Phytopathological Society to put together the Ag PhD Corn Diseases app uh, and also the Soybean Diseases app uh, with all the great information from the APS Press folks. Uh, so check those out. They're free downloads. They, of course, have printed versions of those guides as well if you'd like to order one of those from APS Press. Uh, or you can can check out the free app. I, I like having the app in addition to any printed materials just so I've got it with me on my smartphone when I'm out in fields looking at different diseases. Certainly some of these stock rats can be a little confusing, so it's kind of neat to see, oh, okay, here's a picture of this one. It makes a little more sense. At least it gets you started down the right path to diagnosis. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, 
The linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about stock rot issues and maybe this is the year that you just don't see it at all on your farm and I really hope it is. I hope you aren't seeing any issues out there but it is something important if you're getting ready to harvest or if you're starting to harvest on your farm just to get out and check fields ahead of time just to make sure that you aren't going to have any surprises out there and if you do of course and you find Oh boy, my stock quality is severely compromised in this field or that variety. Move that up on the on the harvest order. Get after it soon before you run into trouble. Got Madeline Shires on with us right now with South Dakota State University. Madeline, thanks for joining us. Hi, nice to be on. 
You know, we were talking just a little bit ago with Tom Allen down at Mississippi State, and one of the things that has been very helpful in the corn industry is the breeders have been working so hard on getting better disease tolerance. I know they made some big steps on anthracnose just in in recent years here, and that used to be one that we'd see a lot of and and still do see some of. Uh, Are you seeing any diseases out there this year? Honestly, here in South Dakota, we have been so dry this season that we are just not seeing much in our corn at all. Yeah, the, the, there's got to be a po- one positive at least, right, out of the drought situation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it, it's been something. I know for, for our farm where we're at in South Dakota, this is the third year in a row that, that we've been super dry. And, oh, my goodness, yeah, it's been been quite a thing. So when we look at stock rats, you know, does it take moisture throughout the season? Is it more of a, hey, if you're wet early around planting time, this is going to be a big concern. What are some of the conditions that you really do worry about stock rots happening in? Well, um, for here in South Dakota, at least, um, every different pathogen that causes stock rot would have a different requirement for moisture. Um, definitely, if we have a lot of moisture toward the end of the season, anything that um, is hanging out on that corn plant is probably going to decide that it wants to cause problems. But not all, um, some of our uh, stock rotters, such as Fusarium, those actually start infection, you know, very early in the um, life cycle of the plant, and the results of that infection is not actually seen until um, later in the season. And there's a few of those, speaking on Fusarium, it actually, the development of that disease is favored by really dry weather um, before silking and then wet weather after silking. So um, it's very, it's a very good idea to know what type of stock rot problems you're dealing with um, to kind of know how the weather and residues and that kind of stuff is going to affect the disease development. You know, speak about the residue. This has been something interesting in our state and for, for listeners here that, that are not from South Dakota or neighboring states, uh, this may be news to them, but we've seen such an explosion in the dairy industry and the ethanol industry in my lifetime that there's a lot more corn acres in our state and a lot of guys end up with corn on corn. That has to dramatically increase our risk of some of these diseases, doesn't it? Yes, so many of the stock rot issues, almost all of them actually are fungal diseases, and most of those can overwinter on those corn residues that are left. Um, So continuous corn on corn or really even just a corn-soybean rotation is going to up the inoculum levels because several of our corn diseases also can cause issues on soybeans. So um, just even, you know, either of those types of rotations or rotation or lack of rotation strategies can cause problems and make a lot more disease issues in the residues. Well, I know there's some things that, that farmers get a little more nervous about. I mean, you think about bacterial diseases like Goss's wilt, and I, I know we saw a few areas of that showing up this year, and growers are like, hey, hey I sprayed a foliar fungicide, but uh, that's not going to stop the bacterial-type diseases. Do you, are you worried about bacterial diseases in our area? Are you seeing many of those types of things, whether it be a, a stock-type issue or, or something foliar like Goss's wilt? Um, I do think that we can have some bacterial issues. Obviously, bacteria still does need some moisture, 
Um, but people that are irrigating, especially in the southern part of South Dakota, they um, could have some bacterial issues. We found bacterial leaf streak in a few fields, nothing high levels, just a few um, plants that were affected. Um, we did see some gosses wilt, but it was always just on a leaf or two. It didn't seem like it was doing very much. Um, so we just kind of monitored some of that to see what would happen. However, we are seeing some other bacterial issues in corn. Um, one of the ones that we've seen this year is caused by Panatoa species of bacteria. Um, and that one has just been recently described in Texas as a corn pathogen, late season corn pathogen. So bacterial diseases do seem to be um, more prevalent, but it's very likely because our weather has not been favorable for fungi, which typically kind of keep those bacterial levels in check. You know, that's true. It's It's been too dry, even for the good guys out in the field, let alone the, the harmful pathogens. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of concern last few years about tar spot and Man, we haven't had much leaf wetness, much <laughs> rainfall, uh, but we've also seen some tar spot get just a little bit, even as far west as South Dakota. So do you think that'll ever mm -hmm. be a big concern for us? And I, I know I'm not going to hold you to this, but do you think we have favorable weather enough years that that could get a foothold here too? Well, I actually have a graduate student that is starting to explore that exact question. Um, we first documented tar spot here in South Dakota in late 2022. It was about my second month on the job. Um, but we are kind of looking into that. I know this year we have been making a very focused effort on scouting for tar spot and have seen little to no tar spot in 2023 yet. Um, but I have, I'm working with other states around South Dakota, such as Nebraska and Kansas and Missouri, and we're kind of looking at um, what's causing, like what environmental factors drive that development of tar spot. Um, I don't know if it will, I honestly don't know what it's going to do here in South Dakota. It does seem to like moisture, but it could just be as simple as one wet year could, you know, get that infection going and we continue to have problems after that. So it's all theoretical right now, and that's the reason I have a student that's working on tar spot because we kind of want to know and kind of know what to be watching for and looking at throughout the next couple of years. One quick question for you, Madeline. we got just a couple minutes left here, but we get <laughs> a lot of questions from farmers. Hey, I, I'm concerned I might have a disease problem. I don't know which one it might be. Can I send a can I send a sample into the university or or call somebody have somebody come out and take a look? Do you work through mm -hmm. extension or what is the process that farmers go through in in those cases? Yeah, so if they're having a disease issue, um, I can be contacted as because I am the extension specialist for the state of South Dakota um, for plant pathology, and then I'm also serving as the director of our plant diagnostic here plant diagnostic clinic here on campus and that is another great resource um, and that is where you know things samples should be sent to get diseases confirmed kind of like what you were talking about earlier spraying fungicide for a bacterial disease sending samples into the diagnostic clinic will help people know what they're actually dealing with and make sure we're not wasting money on fungicides when we actually have viral or bacterial problems yes um, so those, you know, reaching out to me, reaching out to the clinic, um, 
the clinic can be found by just looking up South Dakota Plant Disease Clinic, and it will be the first hit that comes up. Um, those are the best options for us here in the state to yeah, figure out what disease is happening. Yeah, we're so fortunate here, and I know we do have some international listeners, too, just with the extension service. And uh, when you go state by state, all the resources that we do have for farmers that are available that in a lot of cases are underutilized, where a farmer's like, well, I'll just make a guess, or, well, I think it's this, and it may or may not be right, when you can send in and get a, a, a confirmed answer that's pretty pretty helpful for you managing things going forward. Talk with Madeline Shires here on a dry year in South Dakota, but I'm certain that there'll be some rain coming in the future to keep you guys even more busy. Madeline, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Talking about stock rots on today's Ag PhD radio program and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have a question, stay tuned. We'll be right back. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.claas.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. 
Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, and we're talking about stock rots. And I don't want to get you all nervous. We haven't been seeing big issues out there this year yet that I'm aware of anywhere, really. It's been just one of those years that this hasn't been a big issue, but that doesn't mean it won't be a big issue for you or in parts of your fields create a harvest time issue for you. So we do encourage you keep scouting your fields all the way until harvest is over just to make sure you're not going to run into any problems that you could possibly still do something about. For example, I was talking earlier, you see some stock rat out in a part of a field, it's compromising your stock quality, just harvest sooner. Just move that one up on your harvest order and get it out of the field as soon as you can. Uh, I, I guess one story that I've got from, well, it's been 20 years ago now, but I, I got a phone call from my dad on a Saturday, and, and dad said, what are you doing tomorrow? And knowing that it was Sunday, and I knew the right answer to tell dad was, I'm going to church on Sunday. And he said, what time's your church? And I thought, oh, man, this is a quiz. He doesn't believe I'm going to church. And so I told him what time church was, and he goes, okay, good. So you'll be done by this time. Can you be at the farm by this time? Because we've got a field that I found some bad stocks out there. we got to get after it right now. And we are not normally a, a Sunday operation here. Normally Sunday is a day of rest. But Dad couldn't rest because Monday was supposed to be really high winds, and he was really, really worried about it. So we made an exception that day. But um, it, it's something that, that can sure create some issues if you run into problems with stock rats. Got our friend Tamara Jackson-Zims down at the University of Nebraska on right now. Tamara, it's it's kind of surprising that I'm not asking about tar spot so much or uh, <laughs> Goss's wilt or some of these other issues. Today it's stock rots, and hopefully it's not a bad year in Nebraska. You guys have been awful dry for a long time, and, and I realize there's irrigation too, but it seems like the moisture that's needed for a lot of the, the diseases just hasn't been there for a while. I, I think that's right for the most part. You know, we're seeing some issues here and there, and, and we are seeing a few stalk rots and crown rot starting to show up too. Hey, you mentioned the crown rot, and I know that's something that, that you've been working on. Uh, do, you, do you have any early results or early observations that you share on the crown rot? Probably nothing with any, you know, concrete evidence yet. You know, first year of data kind of stuff. We're seeing trends, but probably not enough yet to hang your hat on. Yeah, there's there's just always change and development, and that's yeah. one of the cool things about nature is it's always, okay, we, we've taken up this management practice. Well, nature will figure a way around it. Uh, with stock rats, you mentioned there are a few areas out there this year. Where are you seeing them? What parts of the state, and, and are there any kind of planting date correlations or, or crop rotation cor correlations that you're seeing? You know, I think those correlations are more related to areas of stress. And the drought is, you know, just one of those that we've had. And we've had hail in other parts, and, you know, we're seeing some issues there. And anywhere that we did have some leaf diseases, we're seeing some stalk strength issues, too. Um, I, you, you didn't think we were, I was going to say the words tar spot, but I am, you know. And it doesn't matter if it's tar spot or other leaf diseases, if 
someone had a significant problem, those fields are going to be at higher risk for uh, stalk rot and standability issues toward harvest. Yeah, it's it's always good to to check, and everybody's got their favorite ways of checking that stock integrity, whether it's a pinch test or or a push test or whatnot. What do you advise? What do you, what do you like to do when you're out looking for these things? Well, just like you said, I think you can do both, but I think my favorite way is just to walk through a few parts of the field. Especially, you know, we don't recommend 50 and 70 mile per hour scouting from the road very often, but you can sometimes see some of those parts of the field starting to turn brown a little early, and that might be worth some investigation. And my favorite way is just to walk down through there and push them at arm's length as you're walking and maybe keep track of the number that lodged below the ear. And by this time of the season, if more than 10 or 15% of those are bending over, that might be, you know, a field I'd want to think about getting getting picked early or putting it up in the front of the line. You mentioned areas turning brown, and this one has been kind of interesting mm-hmm. this year with all these uh, drought areas. And like you mentioned, there have been some hail uh, that's been pretty tough in some areas. And guys see brown areas out in the field, and they think, oh, well, it's just due to that problem and, and maybe should be doing some more investigation out there. Where do you start with this when you're looking at these stock rats? Are you digging up roots? Are you splitting stocks? What kind of uh, tools do you like to use out in the field? Well, both of those, I think, are are legitimate for us. Uh, We did see some pretty widespread crown rot last year, so we are also digging up root balls just to get a better idea where crown rot is developing, too. And so crown rot and stalk rot are not necessarily going to occur hand-in-hand. It's often one or the other. And, you know, you can select hybrids for stalk rot, and resistance to, you know, fusarium stalk rot or even anthracnose or whatever you might have. And you may not know what you've got until you get out and take a look, or it might be multiple uh, pathogens at work. That happens too. But uh, the crown rot thing, you don't know if it's crown rot that killed the plants early until you use your pocket knife and cut them down through that root ball and look for evidence of decay on the inside down below ground. And uh, that might help give you an answer too. All right, two other things that I think this year have have added to the challenge. One is compaction, and I know even on our own farm, our our first field that that we took out, it was kind of up and down all year, and we had applied manure in the spring, and that's usually a no-no here because it's too wet in the spring, but it was so dry, we thought, oh, no, we can get away with it. We won't create any compaction, but... We created compaction that we never dealt with, and boy, did it show up all through the season. Do you see compaction as being a big thing where the root system just can't get away, and now if you do have some sort of pathogen that's there, it just makes it easy prey? I I think compaction was just one of those things that causes stress and would definitely be something that might contribute to stalk rot. It might inhibit that plant's ability to take up water or nutrients and maybe to reach out and get the surface area where it needs to go. So I I think, I, I can't think of specific data where we've got that, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, it's not like we're trying to create compaction out there intentionally, but it seems like you, <laughs> you end up a little bit here and there. Okay, how about this one, rootworm feeding? I, I don't know if the <laughs> corn rootworm beetle is now the state bug for Nebraska, but it seemed like oh. it, driving through Nebraska this summer, there, it had to be 
I don't know if it was a record, but it had to be one of the worst years ever for corn rootworm beetles. Mm. Wow. Well, any any kind of damage to the plant, whether it's above ground or below ground, I think predisposes it to one of a number of pathogens uh, that are out there and just waiting. They're very opportunistic, right? And so we have uh, a lot of them below ground that can infect through the roots and, and of course, above ground, too, that might take advantage of, of wounds. So, sure, you know, why not? <laughs> uh, we know stalk infecting or stalk feeding insects certainly did lead to stalk rot. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we learn later on. But I, I don't know. We might have to bring some entomologists in and start looking into that a little bit better. Yeah, with all the BTs that we have now for corn borers, a lot of this mm-hmm. younger generation of farmers, Tamara, doesn't. And you and you're probably <laughs> in that younger generation too. I'm not saying you're not, but I'm definitely I don't not. Know, Darren. We 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 used to be scouting for those uh, corn borers all the time, and you're right. They they led to a lot of issues in the stock that we've taken care of with the BTs for the most part, but. Uh, boy, this rootworm feeding has been been something else this year. Well, Tamara, I know you're super busy. I really appreciate having you on today. Thanks for, for what you're doing and look forward to hearing more uh, when you get some more results this fall. Thanks a lot, Darren, and good luck to everyone. You bet. Talking about stock rots on today's program. Hopefully you aren't seeing that on your farm, but are you scouting? Stay out in those fields until you get done with harvest, or or there's always a potential something can catch you right at the end, just as you think you're about ready to to harvest and cash in on a crop and and it catches you at the last minute. Uh, Tamara Jackson-Zims there mentioned a couple things. The stress areas this year were showing some more, more issues than just the above ground portion of the plant looking like oh, it's kind of brown up there. That's a great opportunity to say, you know, I'm going to just check those plants, see how they're hanging in there, see what that stock integrity looks like. Whether you're doing a pinch test uh, up 12 or 18 inches above the ground or you're doing a push test with the plants just to see, hey, if I lean the stock one way, will it break or will it pop back up? Those are good techniques to use when you're doing this late season scouting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Ag PhD Mailbag. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. 
Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and the Ag PhD mailbag is where we take your calls and questions. You can call us at 844 44 PhD or email us radio at agphd.com. Got some emails here, and I got my brother Brian on as well. And the first question comes about one of our weed of the week. Uh, weeds. It's Creeping Charlie, Brian. It's it's a fun one. Uh, and this comes in from Bernard. He said, I, I live in a small town, had a huge Creeping Charlie problem, and no matter what I sprayed, it didn't seem to be effective on it at all. And then I saw something that University of Nebraska Extension uh, put out. And they said the best time to actually kill it was when the Creeping Charlie was blooming. So I waited Sprayed when it was blooming, and I went from a 300-square-foot spot in my yard down to 36 square feet the next year of Creeping Charlie. And on the third year, I was down to 5 square feet, and after that, I wiped it out by waiting to spray until it was blooming. You know, we talk about this a lot, Brian, about it's probably going to take at least three years to get this thing gone. I find yep. use rates are often the problem that we just aren't using a strong enough rate, but maybe it's timing too. I can't say that I've ever waited until it bloomed to, to try spraying it. No, nope, me either. Cause quite frankly, at that point I'm getting nervous cause I do not want this stuff going to seed. So that's, that's my fear. And we've been able to eliminate creeping Charlie too, but like you say, it's three years, it's high rates and you just have to be diligent about it. But yeah, maybe, maybe you can get better effectiveness at that point. The concern I have is just like I said, I don't want it to go to seed. So <laughs> I'll put it this way. As soon as it starts blooming, that's probably when I would be spraying. If I'm going to try that timing, I'm not waiting. I do not want to get caught and all of a sudden it goes to seed. 
Yeah, I agree. Hey, thanks for the feedback, though. We really appreciate that, Bernard, and that's a that's a good idea to try. Got this one from Jeffrey. He was talking about horse nettle, and he said, wow, well, maybe we shouldn't be so anxious to teach our children to eat random plants out there. Uh, he said, hey, one comment on horse nettle. If you really want to get rid of it, I like putting mulch over it and then seeding that patch with something desirable. It might not work for you out in a pasture, but who knows? That might be a way to get rid of something like horse nettle. Yeah, yeah. but... But that's the way it is with, with most weeds. I mean, we're trying to choke it out with crop canopy. And if we can cover that ground, I was talking to a guy today who had some issue too. And he's like, well, can, I, can I cover it? Will that kill the weed? Well, of course it will. Cover it with anything. But yeah, out in a field or in a pasture, that the covering part is a lot more challenging than the, oh, let's seed something that's going to grow well and hopefully overtake it. All right. Thanks for the feedback. We appreciate that, Jeffrey. I got this one in from CG, who, who talking about corn residue breakdown. He said, so I'm going from corn to soybeans in my rotation, corn-soybean rotation. The stalks being a higher carbon uh, may show that you need more nitrogen. Beans need nitrogen as well as P and K. They create their own nitrogen, but not enough for corn to produce like it should the next year. So maybe right. we need more nitrogen in both crops. Yeah, I mean, we talk an awful lot about nitrogen. I, I was so I was just doing a meeting in central Minnesota, and one of my last questions afterwards, after we got done, was the farmer said, "Okay, well, I've tried nitrogen on my beans. What's the what's kind of the trick?" And I said, "Well, you probably don't need nitrogen for your beans unless you have light soil or you're going for really high yields." And he's like, "Yep, neither one of those fits me. I've got really good heavy soil and lots of organic matter." And he said, my yield's good, but it's not like 100 or 120. He said, I'm getting 70 bushel beans. I said, okay, well, then to me, it, it's probably not going to make a lot of sense because the, the soybean plant can produce its own nitrogen. The problem is, yeah, if we're looking at this two-year rotation and you think, oh, I'm going to have a bunch of nitrogen left over after my beans, a lot of people fall into that trap. And they also hear from the fertilizer dealer, well, you get a soybean credit, a nitrogen credit, I should say, for soybeans. No, you don't. That's not true. You may have nitrogen left from your soybeans, but some years we test and we have 10 pounds. And some years we test, like last year, and we had one field, 140 pounds out there, 140 pounds. Boy, thank goodness we tested, but you can't say for sure we're going to have a whole bunch of nitrogen left for that corn. So always be testing, and then you can dial in your nitrogen rates a little bit better. Okay, I got this one from Al down in Iowa, and he said, guys, I am in a corn-soybean rotation. I'm, I'm strict in that rotation trying to avoid big issues with disease or with insects. However, this year I'm getting out to some fields here right at harvest time. I'm still seeing corn rootworm beetles in my fields. Clearly it's too late for me to beetle bomb at this point, but what strategy should I use going forward? I plan to continue being in a corn-soybean rotation. Does this mean I'm going to have necessarily lots of rootworm issues in next year's corn? Probably. Um, so the trouble now is those rootworm beetles, they've already laid their eggs. So you could go out and kill them, but it's a revenge kill. So it's not going to do you any good at this point. Uh, yeah, if it's me, I'm looking at SmartStacks Pro, Insecticide, and then next summer when you see rootworm beetles again, if you see them again, you got to go try to kill them. I mean, that's what we're doing at our farm because we raise a lot of corn on our farm. We have a lot of corn in our area, 
and the rootworm beetle pressure was tremendously high, which tells you that the rootworms were causing a lot of problems earlier in the year. And I think that's why we saw more lodging issues this year. And, and one of the reasons the drought hurt us even worse is because, well, drought's one stress, but when you add stress of rootworms, just, I mean, we needed the roots more than ever this year to try to get down and get some moisture and nutrients, and uh, just didn't happen for a lot of guys. Nope, it sure didn't. Uh, just needed a little more timely rainfall would have helped with a lot of things. Uh, get this question that came in from Jake down in Missouri. He said, guys, we saw a tar spot for the first time this year, and we normally have been doing a fungicide at tasseling just for regular diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and so forth. But now with tar spot in the area, we want to do our best to protect against it in future years. What fungicide timings do you like? I heard you talk about Zyway that used at planting. Do you think that will be a help as well? Yes, Zyway will be a help. So you got two choices, either you use Zyway or you don't. If you use it, then I would say you come in right after tassel and you spray one shot of fungicide. If you don't use Zyway, I would suggest you spray a week or two before tassel and then you come three weeks after that with a second shot of fungicide. And you might say, oh my gosh, I want to just get by with one shot. Well, I'd love to get by with one shot too, but if you have tar spot as an issue, it's bad. It's the worst disease you can get in corn in, in what we've, from what we've seen. So... I, I know it costs some money to spray twice, but that's kind of what it's coming to for a lot of the guys that have tar spot very much at all. Yeah, I agree. Jake uh, just talked to a grower in Pennsylvania today where they sprayed once. The tar spot is just terrible. Where guys sprayed twice, much, much better, much less pressure from the tar spot or, or much less tar spot they're still seeing out there. That's for sure. Hey, thanks for the question. Good luck to you. Uh, Brian, get this one from Rob down in Kansas. He said, all right, guys, I listened to you about bin fan controls, and I've really been happy with them. I'm going to harvest some soybeans a little on the wet side this year, but looking for some tips, as I've heard Brian talk about this, that he is comfortable even up to, did I hear him correctly, 17% moisture? Yep. That seems extreme. Yep. Don't know if I'll go that far, but if I'm harvesting wetter beans, what would you suggest? Okay, but here's the whole thing. How often do you get in your field and you're like, okay, I'm trying to hit it right at 13. Well, you might be out there for 10 minutes and it's 13, and all of a sudden it's 12 and a half, then it's 12, then it's 11 and a half, 11. It's the same thing with this 17 deal. If I don't say something extreme, then our own guys on our farm or you may not go, okay, well, I, got, I know I got to be out there early, and early is better than late. So if you're out there and there's 17 this minute, well, in just a little while, they might be 16 or 15. But the big thing is you have to get them out of the pods as long as you can do that. Yes, I don't care if they're 15, 16, 17. Then you use the automatic bin fan controls, dry them down over time. Yeah, it's it's exciting as you get started in harvest. And I know everybody thinks, well, maybe this will just be the first day. But who knows what the weather's going to do? I know there's been some rainfall getting up uh, as far as Kansas coming up out of the Gulf here and uh, there there could be more. So just never know what kind of harvest season you're going to get. Hey, Rob, thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. Yeah, every day at harvest is so critical. If you can get out there a day sooner or do some things to open up a little bit more time for you at harvest time, it can be worth a lot of money for you, no doubt about that. Give you more time to get other things done in the fall as well. 
Thanks for listening to our program today, talking about stock rats. Again, I'd remind you, you can download the free Ag PhD Corn Diseases app for more information and pictures. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.